So me and Matt uh, are officially members of the Alexander family <laughs> after this weekend. <laughs> I came home. I told Matt I came home and I called my mom and I said, "Mom, I love you. It's been it's been a wonderful ride. Uh, twenty twenty six years of of pure bliss. But uh, I'm now part of the machine. I'm I'm a Mima and Poppy boy, and uh, and I couldn't be happier about it. We stayed with one of the greatest families I've ever met in my life this weekend. Uh, shout out to. Alex Brim, Clint Cogliano, two of my good friends uh, that hooked us up with a good place to stay, hooked us up with some season tickets to the Bama game, uh, and uh, I'm officially an Alexander. I will be known as Whit Alexander from here on out. Thank you. Dude, that was one of the greatest weekends of my entire life. And I told my wife that her and our children need to go meet their new great-grandparents <laughs> because Graham, Graham, and Poppy for life. I want to be them when I get older. Y'all think y'all think we're kidding too. I mean, we actually me and Matt physically asked them if they would adopt us. And they and, <laughs> and they, they agreed. and they agreed wholeheartedly. Wholeheartedly. They even offered they offered for us to come stay there anytime. They said we're always welcome. Um I'm sure if we wanted to, we could um they could probably hook us up with tickets too, which are probably would probably be a good little deal cuz uh they have lots of money and we do not. So we uh, so hopefully. you're gonna you're gonna act like you don't have money anymore now? No, I'm compared to compared to Poppy. No, I do not have money. <laughs> I think Matt Matt will attest to that. Poppy Poppy is the king of the world. I'm pretty sure Poppy runs the state of Alabama, and Nick Saban is the puppet of Poppy. <laughs> Nick Saban, uh, Nick Saban is a hundred percent the puppet of Poppy. Poppy is the reason Alabama is good at football. I fully believe that wholeheartedly. I'm pretty yeah, sure that they. Uh, you guys should have went and tried to meet Willie somewhere. Find out where he lives. TikTok Willie. TikTok Willie, baby. Roll Tide Willie. Don't give a piss about nothing but the tide, baby. Uh, we definitely met <laughs> Willie. And I think I met Willie's son. I think he was sitting right in front of me during the Alabama game. <laughs> I met his yeah. son. I met his wife, too. They were wonderful people. Yeah, you know, everything. <laughs> anybody that reads a book at an Alabama game, an Alabama football game, has to be... Of the of the uh, utmost intelligence, it was either it had to either be Willie's son or Frank the Tank Junior. Because it was it was one or the other for sure. Hey, a Tank is being generous from the picture you showed me of that gentleman. I don't necessarily find see, see him to be a big, strong, solid guy. No, he actually well, Frank the Tank is a uh, character on Barstool. I'll show you. I'll, He's he's the Mets fan you've probably have seen multiple videos of since the oh my ah uh, yeah I know who you're talking about yep. now it's I'm his actually, son I'm actually really really glad that well I'm not I'm not happy about it but I'm really glad that that guy gets to watch in frustration as a third team from the National League East makes the World Series in the past. Five years a third, now. a third team not named the New York Mets. The New York Mets, which is yeah. absolutely wonderful. Um, and uh, speaking of you know the Alabama game, talk about the Alexanders. Me and Matt, you know, got to stay in what I would call the most comfortable home I've ever stayed in my life. Slept on the best couch I've ever slept on. Enjoyed a very great glass of quality boxed red wine. Also, that's that's how <laughs> we spent our Saturday night. Instead of hitting the bars, most people go to Innisfree or Rounders. Uh, get to hang out with the Alabama faithful. We came home from the game, had a great glass of red wine, and discussed the future of the SEC. And I don't think uh, I could have asked for anything more. I think it was the perfect way to spend a 26-year-old 
Uh, I'm getting old. I feel like I'm 30 Saturday night in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Easy on the feel like you were 30, but you, you would be remiss to not mention how organized the pantry and the refrigerator were where we were getting the box of wine from. They literally had a shelf that had individual, like the drink holders that you see at the gas station. And they were all organized with the same flavor in each individual. It was, it was incredible. It was the, it was the most unchaotic house that I've ever been to. And yet she was like, Oh my God, I can't believe I put the cre- the cream of mushroom soup next to the yeah. peanut butter. I was about it, to say, if, if not for the peanut butter and the cream of mushroom soup fiasco, uh, the, the chaos that was that pantry, it was, it, that was the most organized house I've ever stayed in. Um, and, uh, and why I wanted to bring it up too. We had a very interesting conversation talking about what happened to Jimbo Fisher, uh, Jimbo Fisher, Loses at South Carolina Saturday night. Uh, I believe they were double-digit favorite, 14, 15 points, something like that. Um, going into that game, obviously, they don't have Max Johnson coming in, who's kind of been their starting quarterback throughout the season, uh, besides when he's had his injuries. Haynes King started, played absolutely terrible. Uh, Spencer Rattler, Shane Beamer, the Gamecocks came out, ended up beating them. Uh, it looked like it was a pretty solid game. Didn't get to watch it because we were at the Alabama game. Um, and I tried to watch on my phone a little bit. Didn't have great service, but went back and watched a little bit of the replay. Looked like it was close for the most part, but the fact that they lost, the fact that Texas A&M is three and four, you got to peg the question: Does Jimbo Fisher make it make it past this season? Does he make it past next season with Texas A&M? Even with the what is it, eighty million dollar buyout or eighty million dollar guarantee? $86,950,000 buyout if they fire him after this season. I mean, sticking him, Brian Harson right there on the hot seat with him. Uh, if if those two coaching uh, opportunities open up this year, Auburn and Texas A&M, who in the world fills those roles? Because honestly to me, the only guy I could see filling either role is probably Hugh Freeze from Liberty. And I mean, we talked this weekend about it. There's the chance that he couldn't even be allowed back in the SEC because of everything that happened with him and Greg Sankey and all that. So it's it's a, it's a tough situation. It's a tough question. So I pegged the question to y'all. Me and Matt talked about it a little bit. Chad, what do you think? Yeah, so I definitely think I definitely think there's two guys that immediately come to mind. Um, I think for me, a Hugh Freeze. I think you can look past that situation now. I think it's been long enough. I think. Hugh has definitely proved himself in his time at Liberty and had enough time away from the Southeastern Conference and in FBS football for you to sit back and kind of go, okay, let's give Hugh Freeze another chance. Uh, I think that's the clear lock for Auburn. I think that's who Auburn wants. I know that Deion Sanders is on the table and that everybody wants to float Deion's name out there. But I think Hugh Freeze, in all reality, is a better fit for Auburn than Deion. I don't think... I think Dion's a smart man, and I don't think Dion wants to put up with everything there is to go on behind the scenes at Auburn. And I think he values himself as a coach and as a person far more than anybody who really wants to go after that Auburn job and have to deal with those people. For Texas A&M, I don't know. I mean, to me, I really only think of like one option right away just because I don't really see a lot of guys that are hot commodities right now as coaching names like i i think this is going to be kind of one of those uneventful coaching coaching carousels like the one that we had last year was so wild that i don't know where you go from here so to me i think a simple answer and it's only basing it off one year 
of head coaching experience is Mike Elko because he just came from Texas A&M and their defenses were very physical the past couple of years. And a lot of athletes that Mike Elko, you know, helped recruit on that team. He's five and three at Duke. They just forced Miami to make eight turnovers. To me, Mike Elko is the simple answer, but I, I don't know who else that they can get that might be as cheap as Mike Elko right now. Because I don't think Elko, I don't think Elko is going to cost a lot of money. Yeah, Chad, you're. I, I like the Mike Elko discussion. I didn't even really think about him. Um, I just don't see A&M moving on after this year. I don't care how much money you have and how much oil money you have. $86,950,000 is so much money to pay a guy to not coach for you. So I feel like even if A&M ends up in a position like this week, they've got Ole Miss, they were to lose that. They, I think I could realistically see in them going – I don't see them going worse than 6-6, six and six, but they certainly could. I just think you've got to ride it out with Jimbo because, I mean, really, what else are you going to do? Now, if they did decide to let him go, I'm thinking more next year. I think a name that's going to be floated for it and floated for it seriously would be Lane Kiffin just because they're one of the only programs I feel like that would be able to court Lane that Ole Miss couldn't match the money on. And uh, – I don't think he would be a good fit there necessarily because A&M's trying to have their own brand and like Lane Kiffin is Ole Miss football. And I think they've got a good thing going, but I think I could see him being a guy that A&M goes after uh, just because the high powered offense, uh, you know, I, I think the the recruiting, the ability to recruit Texas and how much money and how badly the boosters want that program to be a national brand uh, it feels very Clemson-esque, like they're just the right hire away from from breaking through that glass ceiling. Yeah, I think another guy, too, that um, his name's being thrown around for some of these other uh, open spots, too, like Arizona State, like Nebraska. Um, people have talked about him with Auburn already. Is Jamie Chadwell. I mean, the guy from Coastal Carolina. He's been pretty awesome. I mean, Auburn is also a team that likes to run these gimmicky like offenses like how Jamie Chadwell does at Coastal Carolina. Obviously, you're not going to have a guy like uh, Grayson McCall running your offense. So even if he does come over, it's kind of a maybe we'll see kind of deal. Um, But I think Jamie Chadwell is a guy that is an SEC type of head coach, either SEC, higher end ACC. Some people have thrown thrown him around for uh, the Georgia Tech job, I think that's a little too low for him if he's going to leave, just based on what he's done at Coastal Carolina already. It's kind of more like a Billy Napier type hire, where Billy Napier is extremely successful, so he's not going to go leave to go coach at Georgia Tech. He's going to leave to go coach at a school like Florida, where he can recruit and build a program and have a little bit of control and do what he needs to do. So, uh, Jamie, I could see him doing either. Yeah, can I? I, can I kind of bank off that? Because I think that's a good point. I think I think Billy Napier Billy Napier didn't want to leave Louisiana Lafayette until the right job came along. And I think Jamie Cadwell is going to be very much just like that situation. He's not going to leave to go take the job at Georgia Tech. He's not going to leave to take the Colorado job. I think it's going to have to be a special gig. Uh, yeah, I totally agree 100%. Um, and. I think if you don't get Hugh Freeze, which if I'm Auburn, I am throwing the kitchen sink at Hugh Freeze. I am literally giving him a blank check 
and saying, I do not care what it takes to get rid of this guy. I'll pay him whatever. And I don't care what it takes for you to come. You are going to be my head coach next year. We are going to give you the Jimbo Fisher at A&M, Kirby Smart at Georgia, Nick Saban, Alabama treatment, where you, this is your program. Tell us what you need. We'll get you the facilities to recruit. Tell us what you need. Uh, Coaching-wise, we'll make it happen. We'll, we'll, we'll change the budget if we need to. Uh, we'll get rid of men's soccer, whatever we need to do. <laughs> if we got to get extra scholarships, we'll make it happen. Because uh, Hugh Freeze, I mean, like we were saying, I mean, he's the guy, out, out of all the coaches that are available, he's the only coach besides Gus Malzahn that is not coaching in the Power Five that has beaten Nick Saban. And he's done it. He's the only coach to do it two years in a row. There's not another coach in college football that's done it two years in a row. Um, yeah, I think that's actually a true fact. So, um, I, I mean, he's the dude. I don't see another guy. Unless they want to bring Gus Malzahn back, which, in my opinion, he should have never gotten fired in the first place because of how he played against Alabama. Um, and, but they've already kicked that bridge down the road. So, it's Hugh Freeze or bust. And Hugh Freeze, personality-wise, fits so well at Auburn, too. Auburn's all gimmicky with the Auburn family. Like, they're that – they've got that very weird, like – borderline cultish feel not completely cultish feel like like texas a&m but borderline cultish feel where they're all about the auburn family and that is like such a hugh freeze play like hugh freeze it does the weird things like the the gimmicky things where he looks on twitter for his name to see what people are saying about him and he dms him if they say something bad about him and uh dm'd some random girl a couple months ago because she said something bad about the ad that like at liberty that a sec they had like sexually assaulted 36 girls or something like that he was like you don't know him personally he's a man of god and like that's just a it's a hugh free thing that's a, such an auburn hire and he's a but he is a good football coach at the end of the day uh he had Ole miss rolling I don't think that Auburn can go any other way, so completely agree on that. Pharrell. And uh, moving back to me and Matt's weekend in Tuscaloosa, um, got to go to my first Bama game. Been to Tuscaloosa multiple times before, done lots and lots of drinking, uh, spent some good times at the Red Shed, and I uh, got to spend another great night at the Red Shed. A night where I walked in thinking, hey, Whit, this is a three-beer kind of night, and then realizing they had $3 Bud Lights, and... Those three beers turned to fifteen pretty quick. So it was it was, you know, the classic Tuscaloosa. Was this at Red Shed? It was Red Shed. Yeah, because Alex played the uh he played the fiddle. He did a little Dixie Lane Delight this time. Yeah, I saw it looked awesome. I it was, was so sad I wasn't it, there. It was pretty solid, man. We had a good time. Uh I got to spend a good Friday night. Saturday, woke up, um, got to hang out with the family. Uh got to see my uh my new Graham Graham and Poppy. Uh, at the condo, they catered some full moon barbecue, I believe is what it was called. Was Colette eating indeed. like five bags of Funyuns again this time? No, but we did talk about that for like a full <laughs> hour. No, they went to Jimmy John's before, so she wasn't as hungry, but it was still fun. I mean, condo was good. I uh, got to tailgate in the quad. Uh, saw some very cool people do some keg stands. Uh, I got to watch a little bit of the LSU Ole Miss game, which was phenomenal um, until the end for Matt, at least. And uh, got to go experience Brian Denny. Uh, didn't get to see the lights. They had some malfunctions, but we did a uh, phone light wave, which was pretty solid. Um, and uh, 
We'll, we'll we'll get to the game a little bit more. I had, had a couple complaints here and there, but uh, and I'll throw those out there once we get to our poor mop segment. But either way, uh, I'd say 10 out of 10 experience for sure. It's always good to be back in Tuscaloosa, and it was great to watch the game as well. Uh, I thought Alabama's defense played outstanding. Eli Ricks finally got a start and did not disappoint. He played a phenomenal game at cornerback. Uh I know there's a lot of Alabama fans that are like he uh, and, I, and me included. He should have been playing this whole time. Obviously, there's a reason that he wasn't. I don't know what that reason was. Whether that be that Nick Saban just didn't think that he was performing well in practice, or if there was an injury, there's rumors out there that he was actually kind of hurt, and that's why he hasn't played much. I remember he played a little bit in the Texas game, and they said that he got hurt. So I, I don't know what it was, but Eli Ricks looked great. Uh, offense. He scored six points in the second half, which was a little, very frustrating. Uh, fourth quarter, we had Jalen Milrow play. It, I mean, it was the typical Mississippi State beatdown that I expected it to be. Uh, and Mike Leach had not scored a touchdown against a Nick Saban defense for 59 minutes and 59 seconds. That's two games prior, so... 179 minutes and 59 seconds, and then he scores one on a little quick rushing touchdown right at the very end with a second and a meaningless garbage time touchdown. Not good if you bought an extended spread. But, terrible, uh, terrible for the spread. Awful for the spread. Terrible for the spread. Uh, but it was a great game. Had a good time. Uh, and and always, uh, you know, hey, roll tide. I, I liked what I saw from Alabama this week. We... Can, can we at this point can we label Mississippi State as a disappointing team? I feel like, and I know we've all had discussions about this before, but with that offense and the athletes that he has, like I understand that Mississippi State doesn't have the caliber of athletes that probably, I don't know, at least eight or nine other teams in the SEC have because they don't recruit near as high. But I feel like at this point, can we call this a disappointing season? I mean, I feel like everyone had Mississippi State built up for these super high expectations, and I don't know why because people – I feel like people don't get the reality that Mike Leach has never been that guy to push a team that he's ever coached, whether he when he was at Texas Tech or he was at Washington State. He was never reached that summit. He would get to a point, hit that wall, and stop. And I feel like this. I feel like this is just a prime example of of why this season's a disappointment because they they went and they lost to Kentucky and they lost to LSU and now they've lost to Bama. And I feel like there's a lot of people who actually felt like Mississippi State was going to be a better team than that. I mean, are we? How much longer are we going to give Mike Leach on this Mississippi State experiment? Not that he deserves to be fired, but if Mississippi State wants higher expectations. They have to realize that Mike Leach is gonna go six and six one year and go eight and four another year, and he's not gonna do anything else. I actually brought this up on Saturday as well, Chad. And my answer originally was this: uh, it was actually about three weeks ago. I was listening to a podcast, and I kind of like I heard something, and then I created a conspiracy based off of it, and then they said something that said then and they agreed to it and i was like oh all right so originally before the auburn stuff happened uh when hugh freeze's name was first getting brought up i said to myself hugh freeze is going to end up at mississippi state because 
He's going to leverage the Auburn job to get his name talked about enough. Ole Miss beats Mississippi State this year in the Egg Bowl. That makes Mike Leach 0-3 in the Egg Bowl, which matters to Mississippi State. And I didn't think they would do any better than 7-5. and But if they go 7-5 and and Ole Miss goes 8-4, and 9-3, and wins the Egg Bowl for the third year in a row, plus all of the momentum that Ole Miss has in recruiting and everything right now with Lane Kiffin being the face of the brand, they can't fall behind. I thought that Hugh Freeze would leverage the Auburn job to become the Mississippi State head coach without having a real chance at the Auburn job. And maybe that's still the way that it happens, but I personally now don't th- – I think that Hugh, if, if you're Hugh Freeze, if you're Auburn, you've got to hire Hugh Freeze because he's the, the best candidate that you can get. But from, from the Mississippi State standpoint, uh, can you really fire Mike Leach and it, because like what 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 are you gonna who are you gonna get that's gonna do better at that school and what's going on right now? Like I feel like you have to have a guy with a gimmicky offensive system that's gonna win a game that he's not supposed to every year and then lose a game that he's not supposed to every year, which is what Mike Leach was at Washington State. He kind of made them semi-relevant in the Pac-12 again. And I feel like you can be that at Mississippi State and they should be okay with seven and five and eight and four. I get, I have the I have the feeling that they're not. I mean, I, I'm kind of with you. I feel like there's, and from the things that I've kind of heard and looked into myself, is like I feel like there's this expectation at Mississippi State for Mike Leach. Like I feel like Mississippi State during the whole Dan Mullen era looked at that and they were like, man, if we just get the right guy, we can do more. And I don't think that that's ever going to be a reality for Mississippi State. Factually, Mississippi State, even if you include Texas A&M in this, and Texas A&M has only been in the SEC for 10 years, like factually and historically, Mississippi State has always been bottom of the barrel in the SEC West. And I think Dan Mullen set a precedent that, hey, you can succeed here and go 8-4 and and be a quality program and get good recruits and play tight games. But I feel like there's this air around Mississippi State right now that when they got Mike Leach thought you know we have to we have to match Ole Miss we have to match Kippen in every step of the way and I don't think you can because I don't think that Starkville has and I've never been to Starkville or Oxford but you know you know if you're an SEC or a football fan that Oxford has more to sell than Starkville and I just I'm with you I don't think you can fire Mike Leach but I think Mississippi State fans need to reel back an expectation that I feel like is roaming around that program like now that they can be better. I mean, for me, I kind of agree with you, Chad. I mean, Starkville absolutely doesn't have anything to offer um, the way that Ole Miss does. I mean, Oxford, Mississippi is a great place to go to school and a great party town, and it's lots of fun, and the fan base is awesome. Um, But if you took Lane Kiffin and swapped him with Mike Leach, I think Lane Kiffin has similar success at Mississippi State. Um, I think Mike Leach probably would have more success than he's had. Uh, but honestly, I think it comes down to coaching. I mean, to me, Mike Leach is a good coach, but he's a gimmicky coach. And I'm in just I'm not a big fan of gimmicky coaches in general because they can't recruit. I mean, you recruit guys to your gimmick. Half the time, you're not really getting guys that you're going to turn pro or anything. So no one, like no really talented players want to come play for you. It's really just these random random like three-star, random maybe a four-star here and there guy, or maybe like a random transfer from Georgia or Alabama that just have to find somewhere else in the SEC to go play and nobody else wants them. 
that you end up turning into decent players, but then they're going to go to the NFL and not do anything. So like it, like Dan Mullen, when he was there, he was putting guys in the NFL that were actually good NFL players. Mike Leach has not done that yet. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know a single player that has been Mike Leach's system that has gone to the NFL and been solid. Gardner Minshew, not that bad, but still not great. Like, I mean, what, solid backup, whatever. Quarterback is a little bit different, maybe, just because you're throwing the ball a lot, so at least you're getting a lot of reps. But every other position on the field, even receiver, I don't know a single receiver he's put in the NFL that's been really good. Because even, even, even Michael Crabtree didn't have the greatest NFL career. Was he a Mike Leach guy? Yeah, he was on that's Mike correct. Leach's Texas Tech team. Beat Texas. I'll give him Mike Lee or Michael Crabtree. Michael Crabtree was solid. Now he didn't have a long NFL career, but the the couple years on the 49ers that he had, he, I mean he was solid for like what three or four years. Nothing crazy, but uh but either way, it's just the guys like PJ Fleck, the guys like Mike Leach, the guys like Paul Johnson. I mean, it's the same deal. You have to be okay with being a Consistent seven and five, eight and four, maybe like a like a bad four and eight season here and there, um, and then maybe like once every five or six years or so, get a ten win year. Maybe you knock off a Bama or you knock off a Georgia randomly, uh, which I, I don't think is out of the question for Mississippi State. I mean, after watching this game, I don't think I don't think Mississippi State beats Georgia, um, just based on how Alabama's defense dominated them. But even, I mean, it's at Mississippi State, so you never know. So it's. I don't. I think Mississippi State should be happy with Mike Leach, but Mississippi State should also recognize they are Mississippi State. It's kind of like the the Iowa or the Purdue of the SEC. So if you're if you're winning games and you're not going two and ten every year, then be excited. We're gonna go ahead and move into our mailbag. Uh, speaking of the Big Ten, our good pal Nathan asked the question: Why are we not talking about Illinois? I think we're not talking about Illinois uh, because they have beaten exactly zero ranked teams. Um, And their best win would probably be Minnesota, maybe. Maybe Wisconsin. I I just – I think that they they don't have any wins that are like, oh, wow, that's a really good win. And they really don't – Quite frankly, the, looking at the rest of their schedule, there's a real chance that they may lose one more game. So ten and two for the fight in Illini, uh, because they've got Nebraska, Michigan State. They're at Nebraska, Michigan State at home, home for Purdue, at the Big House against Michigan, and then home for Northwestern. So it, they have a real shot at going ten and two, and I think that that should be. That's a really good season for Illinois, uh, but just like any other, you know, disres- quote disrespected teams, like even last year when Wake Forest was undefeated for a while and they were hanging around at the bottom of the top twenty-five uh, or the back of the the race, they didn't really have the the win on the schedule that said they should be higher. And so, shout out Illinois for only having one loss right now because it's Illinois, but uh, doesn't doesn't look really. You know, like they don't have a marquee win that's going to put them over the top. Now, if they beat Michigan, if they beat Michigan and go eleven and one, now you're talking about like, and then they they'll go to the Big Ten championship. And if they win that game, then they're in the playoff. So you control your own di- di- uh, destiny if you're Illinois, but you're also 
probably looking at at best at 10 and 2, which is really good. And now you've got something to build on. Shout out Brett Bielema for doing something decent in Illinois. Yeah, I I, I think the simple answer for the reason that we're not talking about Illinois is because, well, it's Illinois. You know, uh, I mean, let's just be real. Like, no, no disrespect to the boys up in Champaign. I, I love to see it. I've always personally kind of liked Brett Bielema. I think he's a, I think he's kind of a fun guy. Um, you know, I, I love to see them succeed. It's great. I mean, if Illinois, if Illinois can like you know run through the rest of that schedule and and beat and well not beat Michigan because I don't think they're going to beat Michigan. But if they lose to Michigan and go ten and two. They're still going to go to the Big Ten Championship because the Big Ten West is pitiful. Um, you know, I, I think that's great. You know, that will put them in a position to, you know, go to the Rose Bowl for the first time uh, since Ron Zook was there, second time in Illinois history. Um, you know, I think it's great. I think it's an awesome story. Um, but it's like Matt said, their strength of schedule is not there. I mean, you know, they just they haven't beaten anybody and they're taking advantage of the fact that the big 10 west is down um you know i i think the big 10 every once in a while you know they have they have these flash in the pan teams from the big 10 west you know you think about northwestern in 2020 you think about uh minnesota in 2019 um and it just doesn't feel any different you know usually we're used to seeing wisconsin pretty much run the table in the big 10 west or, you know, Iowa, but like it's a 10 and three, you know, situation with a big 10 championship loss for Wisconsin or Iowa and they go to the Rose Bowl and there's really nothing more to talk about after that. Um, and I think with Iowa and Wisconsin and even Minnesota kind of being down, I think Brett Bielema is just taking advantage of a down big 10 West. And I don't see this being sustainable. I think Bielema is a good coach, but I think it's just just the Minnesota 2019 situation all over again, and it's just kind of a flash in the pan. And I think, like I said, the simple answer is it's Illinois. I mean, you know, it's Illinois. We're not used to talking about Illinois. They haven't made a made one bowl game um, in the last six seasons, six or seven seasons, because Lovey Smith only went once. Other than that, Illinois is usually pretty dreadful. I have one simple answer for why I don't really talk about Illinois. Um, and the main reason is because I don't want to do the exact same thing I just did to Kansas. A couple of weeks ago, we are talking about Kansas being a good football team, playing great, playing out of their minds, uh, doing some great things, potentially going to a Big 12 championship. And since then, they've lost three straight. Uh, I'm not trying to do that to Illinois. not trying to hurt uh, Brett Bielema, one of Arkansas's greatest coaches of all time. Shout out, Brett Bielema. Um, and, uh, and also, too, if you look at the SEC or the uh, Big Ten West standings, Nebraska plays Illinois this weekend at home, and if they win that game, they're in first place in the Big Ten West, or tied for first place at least with Purdue. I guess Purdue just beat them last week by Purdue just beat them by six points last week, and uh, so I guess they would have the the head to head. But Purdue loses another game. Nebraska wins out. Nebraska, who lost to Georgia Southern and is three and four right now, and Nebraska wins the Big Ten West and plays in the Big Ten Championship. So the Big Ten West, this normally the Big Ten West is bad, but this is the worst I have ever seen the Big Ten West. This to me is the worst division in college football altogether. Um, I'd say it's maybe close with the ACC Coastal. Um, or I guess it's coastal, wherever, which one, whichever one has Miami and North Carolina. 
because um, that one's also pretty terrible. I mean, North Carolina, I think, is the best team in that division, and I don't really see them beating any decent teams. Um, but Big Ten West is awful. Anybody can win it. Um, Illinois, I do think they lose a couple more games. I mean, what, are they one loss or six and one? I think they lose at least two more games. But they got a chance to have a 10-win season, so um, give it to them at least. But, I mean, shoot, I'm not going to jinx them. Who knows? We'll see what happens. Moving on to our next question. This one is, has the ACC gotten stronger or has Clemson fallen off? What do you think? There's been a slight decline in Clemson, I think, but mostly because they haven't had a generational quarterback. And you had Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson before him. So Clemson fans don't have that kind of guy. Uh, to watch every Saturday. So there's been a slight decline. Now, I like what I saw from Clay, Cl- Cade Klubnik on Saturday. He didn't really throw the ball, but the offense definitely had a lot more juice when he came in. Uh, I wasn't thrilled with that penalty they called for necessary roughness or late hit out of bounds because he wasn't out of bounds yet. Uh, there was a That was a, a big momentum shift in that game because if he comes in and you get a, th- a quick three and out, uh, you know, you never know what happens, but DJU isn't there. They don't have the receivers that they had that they had when they had T. Higgins and Justin Ross and uh, oh, what was the other guy? Mike 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 Williams. Like they don't have those guys anymore. Like they've definitely taken a step back. I think the ACC has also gotten a little bit better, and so it makes it seem more even. But Clemson is not the Clemson that they were a few years ago. Uh, as a whole i mean they're just not um i think it's fair to say that and it's it's not me saying that they're terrible but there's been a slight decline in what clemson is i mean a slight decline for clemson is still i think they're a top 10 team first of all this is a fantastic question i don't know who asked this question but it is a fantastic question um and i think matt's right i um i think it's a combination of both um, I don't, you know, I'm with you. I think Clemson's still a top 10 team, top 10 program. I'm not one of those people who's going to write Dabo Sweeney off by any means. Um, I still think the guy's a fantastic coach. Um, but, you know, it not only is Clemson tailed off, Miami and Florida State, your traditional powers, and even you could kind of throw Virginia Tech into that hat as well, that usually sit atop this conference. It just, they haven't. They haven't done anything. They've been down. They haven't gotten their hires right. Justin Fuente, uh, Willie Taggart, you know, Manny Diaz, Al Golden. You know, you just throw some of these names around and you look at the decline of some of these these programs that have such a rich, rich history and to see them not being as good as they once were. And I think when, you know, you've got guys like, you know, I know UNC is really not that good of a team this year. They've taken advantage of the Coastal being bad, but – you know, Mac Brown has come back in. He's a successful coach. He's got North Carolina back up a little bit. Um, you know, I think um, Dave Clawson at Wake Forest has done a tremendous job, a tremendous job um, at Wake Forest, getting them to a point where they're at right now. And they still only have one loss. Um, I also think Dave Dorian's been pretty, pretty consistent at NC State, giving them seven, eight wins a year to kind of keep them floating around as a dangerous game. You know, Dino Babers, this is his second flash in the pan in the past four or five years um you know i i just i don't think clemson's tailed off so much that the acc is really anybody's to take i think last year was just the product of dju not playing well 
Um, and now with Cade Klubnik coming in, I think that makes a difference. But, you know, I do think it's a combination of both, but I think it's also more than Clemson tailing off. I think it's the the Miamis and the Florida States and the Virginia Techs of the world not holding up there into the bargain, allowing these other kind of mid-tier programs such as Wake Forest to to catch up. See, I actually disagree. I think it 100% is Clemson starting to fall off. I'm not saying Clemson's bad. I'm not saying Clemson's not a top 10 program, not a top 10 team. Uh, but falling off from the consistent national title contender that they've been since the beginning of the playoff era, yes, absolutely. I mean, I think this is a competing for New Year's Six, maybe slipping into a playoff type of program right now. And does that change when Kate Klubnett finally takes over, when the offense has a little bit more juice? I could see it happening. Defense is still pretty solid. They have tons of talent. Uh, but this is not the team of old where you got the Justin Rosses, the the T. Higgins, the Amari Rogers, the stud wide receivers, the Travis Etienne's. You got Will Shipley. Will Shipley's a great player. He's going to be a good player for him until he decides to jump to the NFL. Um, but quarterback-wise, I mean, DJU, he's been better, hasn't been great. Uh, he showed this weekend. I know I said last week I thought he's been playing really good. Uh, but, the, of course, he comes into this week. He throws, I think he turns the ball over three or four times. And then he gets benched for Cade Klubnick, who came in, didn't do a single thing except for throwing screens and slants and hand the ball off to Will Shipley, and they came back and won the game. Uh, so, But the rest of the ACC, I think the rest of the ACC has actually boosted themselves up. I mean, Syracuse has been playing really well. Uh, I'm not saying Syracuse is a top, you know, top 10 team or anything, top 15 team, but they're solid. Wake Forest has grown as a program. They've been really good. I think Florida State's playing better than they have been the past couple of years. NC State, before they lost Devin Leary, I mean, that's, that was a top 10 program. Um, I mean, UNC, Chad's right. I mean, they're taking advantage of a really, really bad division. A division that, I mean, if you look at the standings right now, Georgia Tech's in second place with Duke. I mean, what I mean, what the hell is going on here? But UNC, I mean, there's one lost team. I mean, what, what can you say about them? They've played a tough schedule. The one loss was to Notre Dame. Um, they played some close ones. I mean, App State probably should have beaten them. Uh, but still, I mean, they're a one loss team. Pitt, I think Pitt took a step back this year, but recently they've been good. I think Miami's working their way forward. They haven't been great this year, but this year one under Cristobal. He's starting to put together some good recruiting classes. I think they'll be good again soon. Um, it's, and, I mean, if you look at the Coastal Division, too, I mean, you got one, two, three, four programs out of seven with brand-new head coaches, um, and then you have one that just fired their head coach. So, I mean, and the other two, you got Pat Narduzzi and Mac Brown, who I would say those are two of the best coaches in college football right now. I mean, Pat Narduzzi has done some great things with Pitt this season. Obviously, they started off pretty strong, and now they're, what, four and three, which isn't great. I mean, you lose to Tech at home, too, which isn't good. And Mac Brown's obviously six and one with UNC. But I think ACC definitely boosting itself up. They just don't have any national title contenders except for Clemson. And I think Clemson is moving the souls back down. So I'd say it's a little bit of both, but I think Clemson's moving down more than the ACC. Um, well, I'd say, you know, both. ACC's gotten stronger. Clemson's fallen off a little bit of both. Moving on to our last question. This one is, what bucket list stadium slash games are next? We do quite a bit of these. And uh, I think our tech producer, Keys, has something to throw in here. What do you think? Yeah, if you follow our Instagram, you know we've been all over the place. Our crew has been trying to go to as many stadiums as we can this year. I know I took a road trip up to Ohio, stopped at every stadium along the way up there. 
Witt went to Texas and back and stopped at how many stadiums? 20? 20. 20 yeah, stadiums. 20, well, yeah, give or take. Like that. Chad's cracking me up always because he's like, who the hell is at Auburn today? Like, who is, who's here? Who's there? We've been trying to hit all these. Now, Witt, actually, you've been to a lot of the ones that I've actually wanted to go to. Um, Clemson, Death Valley, LSU, Death Valley. You haven't been to Kyle Field yet, have you? You've, you've been there. I've been to the stadium, but I haven't been there for a game. I haven't been inside. Kyle Field's on the list. Clemson, LSU. I'd like to see all the big ones, really. Yeah, like, I've, done about games. Ones. I've done games at LSU and Clemson, too, and they were both really cool. Yeah, those those are the ones I missed out on. Those are some of mine that I, that I really like to go to. There you go, man. I mean, for me, it's what I've already done. I mean, I've done most of the SEC. I uh, got to knock off a game at Alabama this weekend. Um, obviously those that follow me on Instagram at with Barton, um, the same at with Barton on everything for y'all. Uh, I, he, y'all know I, that's, that's my passion is traveling around, seeing college towns, seeing stadiums, uh, even in the summertime when I can't go watch physical football games or see it on a game day at the very least get to stop off, see the, see the field. If I could sneak my way in and, uh, walk around and just see like what the, what the view's like and what the smell's like on a normal game day. So. Uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, SEC, SEC is the only, uh, conference that I want to go to a game at every stadium. Uh, and so far the other ones I haven't got to do that at are Mississippi state, Missouri, Florida, and Texas A&M. Um, Florida's and tough for us. Cause as Georgia fans, they well, yeah. play there. you know, me and Chad, we actually just talked about that today. Cause, uh, a lot of the Georgia players, um, in the kind of, you know, you, you know, Every team does interviews every day up until game days and stuff like that. Uh, so today, the Georgia Presser, they were talking about if like certain star players would want a home and home for Georgia, Florida, and so doing Jacksonville. And pretty much every Georgia player was like, "Yeah, we want to go play in Gainesville." Like, be like beating Florida and Jacksonville is one thing, but beating Florida at home in front of all their fans—that's that's what we want to do. Um, so. That's I told Chad. I said when that happens, and Chad Chad said this too. He said the day that happens, that I'm, I will be at that game. I will be at the first Georgia Florida game in Gainesville. Um, and I said the same same thing about Athens, and I'm going to say the same thing about Gainesville too. I mean, unless Georgia Southern gets another chance to go down there and play, I don't see another reason for me to go down to Gainesville and watch a Florida right. game. So once Georgia finally makes it back there, uh, I will definitely be in attendance. That'll that'll cross that off my list. Definitely. I'm going to I'm going to do everything I can as a Florida fan to eventually get the swamp knocked off the list for you guys. Um, You know, for me personally, I'm not like I'm not like these guys who get to go off and take these rambunctious trips because I'm poor. (laughs) These guys got all the money around here. Um, But I like for me, I don't really have a ton of stadiums that I want to see. I mean, if I if I had my way, I would go to every single FBS stadium in the country. Um, but I don't really have a gigantic top tier list of things I want to see. I definitely, definitely want to go to Oxford, Mississippi. Got to check that off. I'm was supposed to go to the game with, uh, Matt this year that ended up falling through. I was supposed to go to the game with Witt and Matt last year. And they both ironically, I've moved twice in the past year and both those weekends just happened to fall that they went on the weekends that I had to move. But Oxford, Mississippi, Vaught Hemingway is, is number one. Um, I think me and Witt are in the process of discussing taking a road trip next year to Camp Randall uh, to go see Madison and hit a bunch of those stadiums along the way, like baseball stadiums included, um, like in Bush Stadium for the Cardinals. I know that's not college football, but that's in mind of Witt's plans. Um, And a small one for me that I really want to see that y'all will probably laugh at, but even as an SEC fan, like 
I'm not like super psyched to go see a bunch of stadiums in conference. I really want to see Williams Bryce, which shouldn't be hard for me to do with Columbia only being an hour and a half drive away from where I live. Uh, so I would say Ole Miss, South Carolina, and then you'll laugh at this one, Boise State. I thought you were going to say War Memorial Stadium up there with the Wyoming Cowboys. I was about to say, I didn't hear any <laughs> Wyoming there. I was a little disappointed. Yeah. I, I'll get to uh, – the day that Matt gets to Honolulu is the day that I get to Laramie. Let's just say that. <laughs> you know, actually, the Honolulu is my is, is my lock for this week. But uh, <laughs> um, whenever I was looking – when I saw the question, I was like looking and thinking of places – and uh, one that I really hope that I'm able to knock off is in 2025, Ole Miss is going, has a home and home with USC, USC, and they'll be playing at the Coliseum in 2025. And that would be a really cool one. I've always wanted to go out there and uh, to see LA Memorial. Uh, I want to go to the Rose Bowl. I've never been to the Rose Bowl. And then in conference, I really want to go to Tiger Stadium. Uh, I know that that's like a glutton for punishment. Because if I go to Alabama, LSU, Tiger Stadium, I'm probably going to get stuff thrown at me. And if I go to Ole Miss, LSU, I'm probably going to get stuff thrown at me. But uh, I really want to go experience Tiger Stadium at its finest in an SEC game. Uh, and that would be that would be really cool. I've been to the Swamp, but never for a game. Uh, before we jump off this topic, too. I know neither of y'all – actually, Matt, you might have been before. Neither of y'all have been to Athens, Georgia, or at least been to a Georgia game. Have you been? Uh, Matt went to um, – did you go to Alabama, Georgia, the blackout game? No, I didn't go to that one. I, I did watch that one on TV, but I have – I went uh, – what year was that? 15? Oh. The, oh, the Derrick Henry run everybody over game. I've yeah. been to Athens. Yeah, I have been to Athens. I went in high school, too. I have been I have been on Georgia's campus and inside the stadium, but it was it's never been for a game. I had I had a buddy that went to UGA, and I have actually I have actually been to Athens, believe it or not, three or four times in my life. And even as a Florida fan, I will admit it's very enjoyable. Well, next year, Georgia Ole Miss in Athens, November eleventh. I am going for sure. I already have I have a buddy of mine that's a big Ole Miss fan that I met in Nashville, and he already texted me. He texted me as soon as the schedule came out. And said, how far do you live from University of Georgia? And I said, ah, probably like an hour 45, maybe two hours at the worst. And uh, he was like, okay, well, we're going to that game. It's a, it's a no-brainer. He goes, I got to check it off my list. So, so I'm ta- I'm going with him for sure. Uh, so ATK live road trip, Athens, Georgia, finally. Maybe. We'll see. We need to do it one day. One day. We'll see what happens. Either way, moving on, we got our pour one out, cut them off segment. Matt, how about you get us started? This week, I am pouring one out for Dixieland Delight, Tuscaloosa, Alabama, on a Saturday night in the fall. You will hear the beautiful, beautiful voices of the band Alabama, and there is just—it's one of my favorite traditions at Alabama—is the Dixieland Delight uh, going on and the student section being as rowdy as they can. Uh, it. It never disappoints. Love seeing it this weekend. Love hearing it at the bar. Went to the Red Shed. Everybody, they played it in the Red Shed. And then Alex played the fiddle for it in the Red Shed. Uh, Just one of my favorite 
traditions at the university, uh, the capstone, and cannot you know, cannot give it enough. Of, I can't pour enough out for it. It's got to be one big beer that I'm pouring out for this. Uh, love Dixieland Delight. And I am cutting off this week Mississippi State fans because for two reasons. Reason number one was there were just two Mississippi State fans sitting a few rows behind us, and every time they did anything, the first down, they'd go one, two, three, hell state. And everyone around us was very, like, visually annoyed that they kept doing this. This was like the beginning of the game. When Mike, when uh, Mike Leach decided, hey, Alabama's never going to expect it if we just run the ball, and we're going to go down the field and we're going to score by just running the ball. They didn't, and then he would go for every single fourth down too, and they converted a few of them. But every single time they were like, "Hell State," and they were talking so much smack. Next thing you know, it's twenty-four to nothing. They're getting their brains kicked in, and all I hear is, "Oh, at least Ole Miss lost today," and I'm like, "Okay." There's not a more little brother thing that you can say than when you're getting your brains kicked in to be like, oh, well, at least our rival lost today, too. Like you, I, I don't I don't know that I've ever heard a Georgia fan once ever say, well, you know, at least Georgia Tech lost today, so that makes this feel better. And I certainly don't know any Alabama fans that have been like, oh, well, you know, at least Auburn lost today, so it makes it it makes it better. No. You, you don't say that if you aren't little brother. So Mississippi State fans cutting you off for your stupid cowbells, your stupid Hale State, and for saying something so atrocious. That's just ridiculous. When they were doing the Hale State thing, I turned my head at Matt. Like it was, it was, it was actually the last time they did it. It was right before Alabama finally decided to run a nail through them. Uh, and I looked at him in his face. He had the meanest look on his face. And I, I looked at him. I go, those two are going to get punched in the face. And that I honestly think that was in my top five highlights of that Alabama game. I just thought that was absolutely hilarious. But those guys were pretty quiet for most of the game after that. Uh, I actually think they were gone by halftime. But, yeah, they were pretty annoying. Uh, Chad, what about you? You pour one out this week? Indeed, I am. Um, I am going to pour one out for Mike Bloomgren. Um, kind of going off the radar here. Mike Bloomgren, head coach of Food, a.k.a. the Rice University Owls. Um, boy scored 28 points in the second half to come back and beat Louisiana Tech and improved to 5-3. and three. Uh, Rice has more wins than teams in the state of Texas named Houston and teams in the state of Texas named Texas A&M. The Rice Owls, of a program that you rarely ever hear about, rarely ever see in a bowl game. I just, you got to feel good for those guys, man. Uh, one of the podcasts I listen to, not going to give any free shout-outs, but his initials are JP. He should be the commissioner of college football. He has a rule. He always says don't lose to food, and people are losing to food this year. So pouring one out for the Owls. And I'm going to cut off. Jim McElwain after a second season. Uh, Jim McElwain has had two successful seasons um, out of his four at Central Michigan, former Florida coach. And as a Florida fan to know what happened to us in year three under Jim McElwain 
and now see him in his fourth year at Central Michigan to be two and six a year after going to the MAC championship game. It just feels very, very familiar. And to all you Chippewa fans out there listening, I know we have just vast amounts of them. I feel your pain. I'm cutting you off there, Shark Boy. Whit, who are you pouring one out for? Shark Boy. Oh my gosh. I, oh my, that picture. I just, every time I hear <laughs> Jim McElwain's name, I just picture that. Oh, that was so weird. Either way, I'm pouring one out for Roll Tide Golf. Because all day Saturday, I couldn't say Roll Tide because I'm a Georgia fan and I don't cheer for Alabama, at least football. But as the, uh, the, the good listeners know, my, uh, my first cousin, my dad's first cousin, my Uncle Jay, is the head coach of Alabama's golf team. And did I wear Alabama gear? No, I did not. I wore Alabama golf gear to the Alabama football game. It said Alabama golf on the side of it. It said ping on the back. And it had an A. It had a Braves logo with a mullet on it. Uh, and I walked around with that all day. And every time anybody said Roll Tide, I said Roll Tide right back and finished it off with the golf. Make sure everybody knows I'm a Roll Tide golf fan. I am not a Roll Tide football fan. So pour one out for Roll Tide golf. Uncle Jay, go win a couple games this year or a couple matches, whatever they call golf game matches in college. Who the hell knows? A round of golf. A round of golf. Go win some rounds. Uh, he was in Alpharetta this weekend playing in a tournament. Uh, so they he wasn't in town, didn't get to hang out with them. Uh, but uh, love to see him win another trophy. Uh, he's won two national championships. Love to see a third. Either way, it was it was it was it was really funny because the whole crowd, you know, at kickoff goes roll tide roll, and you would just hear Wig go roll tide golf. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's funny because I actually thought Matt and Colette and Alex would get annoyed with me at some point, being like, "Oh, this guy's just such an asshole." But <laughs> it, they Matt laughed at it every single time I did it, which made it which made it so much better because. I was glad he was like, all right, like at least he's like, he's, he's cheering for Alabama and you can ask Matt. I mean, I, I lost my voice screaming at Alabama uh, and for good reason, getting into my, getting into my cut off uh, and I'm cutting off extended spreads because I'm a complete moron. I'm the biggest <laughs> moron on the face of the earth. And I'll tell you why, uh, because I figured out a way to bet legally and that's what I do now. I don't bet illegally. I'm not a legal better uh, FBI. Don't come after me. I'm on my it's legal in the state of Georgia, which is completely fine. Um, and uh, so I decided, instead of taking Alabama in my parlay, instead of taking Alabama minus 21 and a half, I took Alabama minus 30 and a half. And, uh, and all throughout that game, they got, I mean, tied were up 24 to zero at halftime. I'm going, no sweat. 24 to zero at halftime. Mississippi State can't score worth the lick. They can't even get down inside the 20 without going for it on fourth down and failing. This is, I mean, Alabama's going to score at least 40 points. Uh, Mississippi State might get a garbage time touchdown or something. No problem at all. Uh, here we here we find ourselves fourth quarter, seven minutes left. Uh, and, you know, I, I still wasn't worried. It was 30 to nothing. Alabama just kicked a field goal instead of going for it, trying to score a touchdown. Jalen Milrow comes in, and uh, and, the, and the nerves start to start to hit the fan. And, and it was nothing but the run game. Uh, Mississippi State knew what they were doing. Alabama didn't move the ball at all. Alabama, six points in the second half. Uh, also cutting off Bill O'Brien. That guy sucks. Uh, either way. But, in, you know, in the end, Mississippi State ended up scoring a garbage time touchdown. So it was, what, 20? It was a 24-point game. 
So the, the spread wouldn't have mattered as much. I mean, the minus 21 would have hit. Uh, but I was cheering for that 30 because it was 30 to nothing all throughout the fourth quarter until that last second touchdown. And you can ask Matt. I was full on screaming at Alabama. I was like, come on, Bryce. <laughs> Throw the dang ball. And it, it, it just did not happen. Could not score. Could not score more than seven for the six points in the second half. And uh, even if Mississippi State didn't get that garbage time touchdown, I still would have lost the spread. And uh, I was very upset. Keys, what about you, man? You got to pour one out this week? Yeah, I'm pouring one out for you, buddy. Our very own Whit Barfield. Me? He's always leading the charge, getting us to all these sports games and stuff. Uh, yeah. Thursday Grand, night comes Grand around. Grand's own grandson. Grand Grand's grandson. Thursday night comes around this week, and Whit's like, hey, uh, I got four tickets to the Georgia Tech game. I haven't been to the stadium before. Anybody want to go to Bobby Dodd? And so we all load up in the uh, we all load up in the F-150 and and get down there. Uh, and then he's bringing Matt to Alabama, and he's always the guy getting us the, the 20 Braves tickets at a time and just selling them off to people. So should pour him out for Whit Barfield, always leading the charge to the stadiums. What a kiss ass. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. Chad's geez. just I'm, mad because he wasn't there. All right, and I am cutting one off for the Divorce Force. Uh, I have a couple different fantasy teams. Uh, the one I'm paying attention to the most is, unfortunately, the Divorce Force. I got Tom Brady up there as my quarterback. Let me just read you off of some of what I got this week. I, I decided to make a game-time decision. I benched Tom Brady in the Divorce Force uh, for none other than Matt Ryan. <laughs> Excellent choice there as he's now benched for the Indianapolis Colts. That's a rough one-two punch. My team scored, what, 50 points this week? About 57 points. I'm playing Witt in that league. Witt scored 150. <laughs> I was going to say, I murdered whoever I played. It was I didn't even realize it was you. <laughs> it was me. Uh, my saving grace was George Kittle with 21 points. But everyone else scored under 10. I didn't have a single player. On, on my bench, I had Tom Brady with 11. That was the highest scoring player I had. Oh, rough week for Divorce Force. Very rough week for the Divorce Force. Poor Divorce and the Divorce A, Tom Brady. And the Divorce A. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome, Keesler. Moving to our locks of the week, Matt. Who's your lock this week? My lock this week is actually Chad's Wyoming. It's <laughs> my Hawaii. I think that that the uh, the Cowboys are going to absolutely beat the brakes off of my beloved Rainbow Warriors. Uh, Hawaii's had a rough year, two and six, one and two in the conference. It's not looking good. They had one of the highest turnover rates as far as players go last year. Uh, this year, they I think they lost. They had 48 new players in the program this year, a new head coach. It's been a rough year, but, man, it's got a good to wake up in Honolulu. It's got to feel good to wake up in Honolulu every day. Uh, and that game is going to be in Honolulu, and I think Wyoming is going to enjoy a nice week in paradise and go home with a W. Uh, I don't know what the spread is. I don't even see that they've got it. It will be an 11.59 p.m. kickoff. Pour one out for the 11.59 p.m. kickoffs, the greatest kickoff time of all time. Uh, it's it's incredible. It means we get football till 3 a.m. Uh, Rainbow Warriors lose to Chad's Wyoming Cowboys. Yeah, maybe the, the Pineolo Trophy is coming back to Laramie with the boys. I hate coming that you back. know what trophy that is. <laughs> I hate that so much. 
Chad, Chad, those is, that, Chad is the king. For those that haven't gotten to listen to Chad on this podcast, Chad is the king of knowing the most irrelevant rivalry trophies there are <laughs> on the face of the earth. And on, and honestly, it's incredible. It is it is one of the things I love most about you. Welcome back, sir. Well, for those of you who don't know, I'll just explain very shortly. For some reason, unexplainably, unexplainably, I love Wyoming football. Matt loves Hawaii football. Don't really have any reason for it, but I know the reason. I know the reason Matt loves Hawaii football, and that's because it's on at ten thirty at night when he's winding down from getting drunk as hell (laughs) in the middle of the day watching the Tide. (laughs) But either way, like I said, the Pinolo Trophy's coming to Laramie. Um, uh, I'm going to go Virginia over Miami. Miami is a two-point favorite, but with Tyler Van Dyke going down last week, I haven't seen his status yet, but Miami turned the ball over eight times, three of them with Tyler Van Dyke in the game and got just slapped around by Duke at home. Now you got to go on the road after that performance and play a Virginia team who Brennan Armstrong just had a pretty solid Thursday night last week. Uh, I mean, I, I just, Miami... It's going to take time. I'm not I'm not selling Cristobal yet, but it's going to be a rough year, man. And I think Tony Elliott and the boys can get it done in Charlottesville. Uh, I'm going to go Virginia plus the points. I like it. I like it, Chad. Uh, for me, I'm taking, once again, taking upset of the week as my lock of the week. And that's UCF beating Cincinnati. Uh, this game is a 3.30 Saturday kick. Uh, in Orlando, in the bounce house, as they like to call it, in Orlando, Florida. The 2017 National Champions taking on the first ever team to make the college football playoff of the group of five in Cincinnati. And uh, I'm in the field of people that think Cincinnati is just not good enough to do it twice in a row. Um, and when I say do it, I mean make a New Year's Six game in general. They've already lost to Arkansas. The way things go, they need one more loss to be taken out. Three, they what? What are you doing? That'd be, that'd be three in a row. Three New Year's Six games in a row, yeah. Yeah. Cincinnati, I don't think they're doing it this year. UCF, to me, if you look at their schedule, they're the team to knock them off. Uh, UCF's look great. Top six, I think they're the sixth ranked rushing offense in the country. John Reese Plumley. Uh, former Georgia commit, former Ole Miss quarterback before Len Kiffin came in there and took over. Uh, he's been phenomenal this year. If you look at his stats, um, out of their all their games, they he's thrown for 300 yards, I believe. UCF has two losses. They just lost to East Carolina this past week, and they lost to Louisville in week oh, two. Oh, I missed that. Yeah, they I lost bad that. to East Carolina, which is a bad loss. It's a bad loss, but they're playing at East Carolina. John Reese Plumley, he still went for 294. Um, a lot of guys, people are not talking about him, which is really surprising to me considering what he's doing in Gus Malzahn's offense. He's the perfect fit. Um, he's really Bo Nix 2.0, um, except for he's actually completing passes and not having to play against SEC defenses. So he's doing a great job. He's thrown for 300 yards in four of their seven games. Um, he's run for, usually runs for over 100 yards a game. He's averaging like 95 yards a game in the rushing game. Um, they got a good running back. They got Javon Baker transferred from Alabama at receiver, um, and he's doing really well. The offense is rolling. Defense isn't great. Uh, they're giving up quite a few points. They're not in that top 20 range. Cincinnati is definitely more balanced, but UCF home game, crowd's going to be going crazy. They love beating Cincinnati. I think this is their their upset game of the year, uh, taking UCF over Cincy. 
Keys, what about you, man? Georgia Southern's on bye week this week, so I'm on bye week this week. I don't have a lock. You are lazy. I, I looked for a while, didn't Absolutely see anything I cared about. Lazy. What about the Georgia game? You know you're a Georgia fan. We're too. picking the Georgia game. I, I only pick. make I only make the exception for Georgia Southern. Okay. All right. Casual. Let's jump. Let's jump straight into picks of the week. We got a good one, boys. We got Halloween weekend. It's gonna be exciting. Uh start us off. One of the uh more under the radar robbery games this weekend. Uh, I mean you know, we're talking about it because we got a Florida fan. We got a Georgia fan in our group. Uh, but I don't think a lot of people are talking about this game. We got Florida taking on Georgia. Jacksonville. Uh, it's world's largest cocktail party. Always a good time. Uh, you never really know what could happen in this rivalry. Georgia is a 22 and a half point favorite. Uh, don't have a confirmation on this, but I want to say that's the largest spread they've had in this game in the last four or five years. Uh, which is pretty interesting given that I think Florida's improved from last year for sure. Um, and I definitely don't think Georgia has that same defense. So, uh, Matt, what do you think? Who do you got in this one? I think that Florida's improved. Florida's better coach than they were last year, uh, but they still have a lot of deficiencies. I'm going to take Georgia to win this one, and I think they win it by 21. So I'll, I'll, I'll take Florida to cover. Uh, I just I, I don't know that Georgia's going to be able to to dominate Completely. I mean, they very well could. Uh, I, I just I see this being like a 42-21 kind of kind of win for Georgia or like a 35-16, like something random like that. I, I, I see Georgia winning. I see them dominating the game. I don't see Florida putting up very much of a fight, but I do see them covering the 22 and a half. I, I don't know that I like. Of course, I've been I, I've gotten a lot of Georgia spreads wrong this year. Yeah. Uh. I mean, whatever. Um, <laughs> I don't even really want to talk about it. Um, I know it's going to be rough, but I agree with Matt. I think we're better coached, much improved, uh, but we're just not there yet. I mean, it's facts. I think the game is going to be closer than 22 points. I, I mean, I have a sneaky suspicion that Florida under Billy Napier can keep it close, unlike under Dan Mullen, because, you know, that team goes down by a touchdown and, you know, everybody knows how it goes. They quit. Uh, but not this team. Uh, our defense can't stop anybody. Our run game can probably push Georgia around a little bit, I think. I think we're good enough to hang around. But I don't think 22 is a lot, or I think 22 is too much. I think Georgia Georgia beats us by 13, but Georgia controls the game. With. Yeah, I'm right there with Chad. Um, I, I actually do think Georgia covers, and the reason I think we do um, is because to to win football games and to do good things uh, in, on offense – Florida's got to run the ball and Georgia's defense. It's not the same as it was last year, but the strength is still stopping the run. It's been that way for every team we played this year. Um, the teams that have been successful are the teams that have a little bit of an explosive passing offense, or at least can make a couple plays um, like Brady cook decided to play like Tom Brady for one game this whole season. But either way, Unless Anthony Richardson can find some kind of passing game going into this, I, I think Georgia shuts him down. Uh, I mean, Georgia's got the fourth-ranked rushing rushing defense right now. Florida's ranked 16th. That's pretty solid. Um, it, statistically, it's the best thing they do as a team. Um, and I think that just plays right into Kirby Smart's wheelhouse of how he likes to coach defensive football. Um, and then on the other side, Georgia, um, in the biggest blowouts of the year, have played against teams that are susceptible to the passing game in Florida right now is ranked 90th in the country in passing defense. 
So I see Stetson Bennett having a pretty good game. Um, I think a lot of it's going to ride on if A.D. Mitchell comes back because um, he hasn't played since the uh, – he played early on the Kent State game and got hurt. So since then, he has not played much. Um, but if he comes back, Lad McConkey's still playing. Um, I'd love to finally see Brock Bowers get some touches. I haven't really seen him do much since the Kent State game. Um, and I think Georgia coming off the bye week. I'm, I'm, I think Georgia's going to look pretty good in this game. I mean, Tennessee's coming up the week after. I could see – Georgia maybe sleeping on this game a little bit, but it's still Florida. I don't think Georgia's going to sleep on Florida. So uh, I'm going to take Georgia. I think Georgia wins by over that 22 margin. I'm going to say it's like a 20, maybe 27 type game, maybe 27 to three or something like that. So we'll see. Georgia covers. 2024 Gator fans. That's what we're looking at. 2024. <laughs> when, <laughs> when, Oklahoma, when Oklahoma and Texas are in the SEC, maybe maybe Florida will get a win over Georgia. I'm not worried about them. Either way. Moving on. Either way. We'll get better. Hang in there, Gators. Moving in. Moving on. Big 10 kickoff. Noon game. Fox. Fox Nooner. We got number two. Ohio State coming off their bludgering of Iowa. Uh, got Kurt Ferretz fired. JK. Uh, at number 13, Penn State, Ohio State, is a 15-and-a-half-point favorite uh, with Penn State coming off that huge win against Minnesota and their loss to Michigan. Matt, what do you think? I mean, I would love it if Penn State covered this game or or definitely even if they won, but I just don't think that Penn State is actually that good. I mean, we saw what happened whenever they played against Michigan. Uh, I think they're going to get blown out by Ohio State. I think Ohio State wins this game and covers very easily. It's a noon game. It's not even a night game. It's not the wideout game for Penn State. They did that last weekend. So uh, it's going to be ugly, and it's going to be Ohio State winning. I'm right there with you, Matt. I mean, why, why waste a good wideout on Minnesota? You know, when you could have saved it for this week, I don't care if it's a noon game or not. You could have used the wideout this week. Uh, but it's, I'm sorry. I mean, as long as Sean Clifford is the quarterback at Penn State, Penn State's going to be nothing more but satisfied with a 9-3 and three season and a trip to the Outback Bowl. Michigan just smacked Penn State around, ran the ball down their throat two weeks ago. Uh, this is going to be worse. I think that line needs to go up. 16.5 is generous, and I think the only reason it's 16.5 is because that game is in Happy Valley. I mean, Penn State was just not there, man. Penn State is on par with the rest of the B-plus teams in that second tier in college football, and Ohio State just looks perfect right now. They look, they look perfect. Ohio State, take the over. With. I want to take this time to go through Ohio State's schedule so far this season. Um, Starting off, we had we had number uh, Notre Dame. They were the number five team in the country. Uh, they are now four and three. Have lost to Stanford. Have lost to Marshall, and uh, have lost to Ohio State. Almost lost to BYU. Uh, really struggled with North Carolina. Struggled with California. Not a good team. Arkansas State four and three. Not a good team. Toledo. Let's see what Toledo's at. Where are they at right now? Toledo five and three. Not a good team. Doesn't play in a good conference. Wisconsin fired their head coach right after this game. 
Rutgers. Where's Rutgers at? Four and three. Sucks. Michigan State, three and four. Sucks. Iowa, about should have fired Kurt Ferentz. I wish that news was real. These teams suck. None of these none of these teams are in the top 50 teams in college football right now. Uh, that being said, I still think Ohio State wins this game. I don't really think it's super close. I think Penn State keeps it closer than they should, which means I think they are they do cover that 15 and a half. I think it ends up being like a 12 to maybe they get 15, but with that hook, they don't cover. Um, but Ohio, this is the first team Ohio State's played this year that's somewhat decent. So I think they get smacked in the mouth a little bit. Um, I think the defense especially gets exposed, but I do think Ohio State wins. I don't think Ohio State's going to lose a game this year, mostly because I just don't think the Big Ten's that good. The only teams I think are halfway decent are Penn State. I think Michigan's pretty solid. Uh, but they get Michigan at home. I don't see them losing that game either. So I'm going to take Ohio State. I'm going to take Penn State to cover just barely. Very close game. Um, and I'm, I'm going to call Ohio State getting somewhat exposed, but Ohio State still winning the football game, remaining unbeaten, and uh, staying in that top three in the country range. Moving on to our noon SEC game of the week. We got Arkansas unranked at Auburn. Auburn's still having their issues with Brian Harson. have not fired him. Uh, maybe he saves himself here. We'll see what happens. Maybe this is his last game as the Auburn head coach. Arkansas is a four-and-a-half-point favorite playing in Black Magic, Jordan-Hare Stadium. Matt, how do you feel about this one? I mean, it is Jordan-Hare Stadium, and I that place is full of all kinds of weird voodoo and, and such, and I hate whenever Alabama has to play there uh, every other year. But Arkansas, as long as K.J. Jefferson is healthy, is a really good, really solid team. And Auburn is just not. Uh, we we joked with our new family members this past weekend about how we could uh, go play for Auburn University this year because that's basically like we basically are uh, as good as the Auburn players this year. They just don't have a lot of talent. And I think Sam Pittman is going to have the smoker fired up, ready to roll. And uh, them boys are them boys in uh, Fayetteville, Arkansas, are going to go into the freaking black magic box that is Jordan Hare, and they're going to win this game. And I think they cover it. I don't think Auburn's going to be able to cover the four and a half. And Brian Harson will be on his way out the door uh, where we can officially start having Auburn head coaching talks. Lando's not here this week, so I'm going to give you a Lando answer. Auburn sucks. Woo pig. Wit. <laughs> Auburn sucks. Completely agree. These, these guys are terrible. Um, I don't see uh, any kind of highlight. I mean, I think you say uh, Robbie Ash Ashford. He's starting to look a little bit better. He's a freshman. Uh, he definitely some development talent could happen there. Tank Bigsby's a great player. Besides that, Auburn is just absolutely awful. But if you look at their schedule, when they play these teams in the SEC West, especially at home, they play well. They played LSU close. They played Ole Miss pretty close for the most part. Um, pretty they Missouri almost lost to Missouri. Still a close game. Still won. Whatever. They're playing the the SEC pretty solid, except for Georgia, the only team that's blown them out. Alabama, I'm sure once they play, they'll blow them out. But I do think Auburn sticks this game close. They might pull the upset. I could see it happening. I feel like Auburn always gets one win they shouldn't get, even when they're not playing well. Um, but I'm gonna say Arkansas wins. If this spread was a little bit higher, maybe like an eight and a half or maybe like a ten. 
I would probably pick Auburn because I think they do keep it really close in this game. Um, but I'm going to take Arkansas. It might come down to last second field goal and maybe Auburn covers that spread, but I think it's going to be at least a touchdown game. So I'm going woo pig. I'm with y'all. Uh, KJ Jefferson's back. Team's looking solid. Uh, they still got Jaden Hazelwood. Not a bad player. Um, a couple other guys are looking really good. So, uh, I'm going to go Arkansas gets a dub moving on big 12 game of the week. Number nine, Oklahoma state coming off the win over Texas. At number two, or 22, Kansas State. Kansas State favored by one and a half, coming off the loss to TCU. Um, almost helped me pull it off the parlay, but it didn't matter because Bama couldn't cover 30 and a half anyway. Uh, Matt, what do you think? I'm rolling with a hot hand, man. I'm rolling with the pokes. Uh, Kansas State, I don't know if Adrian Martinez is going to be playing in this game because they brought in their backup quarterback. I know in that in Kansas State's loss to TCU. Uh, TCU, to me, is just a team of destiny right now in the Big 12. They are absolutely rolling, and Oklahoma State had them on the brink. So did Kansas State, but to me, Oklahoma State has just got that They've got the the feeling of a team that is going to be able to compete with anybody in the Big 12 and beat anybody in the Big 12. And uh, I like Oklahoma State to beat Kansas State in this one. Uh, I think that they go on the road. I know they're the dog, but I like them to cover and win straight up. Chad. Perfectly said, man. Yeah, uh, Kansas State, man, had a big lead. Had a big, had a big lead down in Fort Worth Saturday night. Really thought they were going to pull that off, but I completely agree. TCU – Looks like a team of freaking destiny, and ah man, just tough times for the boys from Manhattan. But um, I agree with Matt. I'm gonna go with Gundy and the boys. I think Spencer Sanders, um, he's finally gotten a little bit healthy again. I think part of the reason that they kind of lost that game against TCU was because it was on the road, and Spencer Sanders' shoulder wasn't fully healthy. But I think he's getting healthy again. You saw that this past week. Um, Kansas State's a good football team. Um, you know, I know they lost to. I know they've lost to Tulane, and and but that that looks like a pretty good loss right now against a ranked team from the American. Um, this game being in Manhattan might play a factor. Um, I think that one and a half is a good line, but I think I, I agree with everything Matt said. I think Oklahoma State can compete with anybody, and I think they're going to continue to do that. Shout out to the Every Given Saturday tour going down to Manhattan, Kansas this week. But uh, the boys from Stillwater are going to pull it out. I'm going to go Oklahoma State by one and a half with. Oklahoma State by one and a half. Uh, not a bad pick. For me, it's it's a contingency pick. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be a wuss about it. If Adrian Martinez plays for Kansas State, they pull the upset. It's going to happen. Uh, I agree with the line. One and a half in favor of Kansas State. Uh, I think this is a good, solid coach football team. But they need Adrian Martinez to run the offense. I don't think Will Howard's there yet. Um, I think he did, you know, going back and look at the highlights, he did a couple pretty good things against TCU. Uh, but I didn't see anything spectacular uh, that makes me think he can do what Adrian Martinez has been doing for them this year. Um, and that's being a leader for the offense. So I'm going to say Kansas State wins the game with Adrian Martinez. If not, Oklahoma State, uh, I think they do win. Um, I think either way, this is a close game. Looking at looking at the uh, the slate right now of all the games we're picking, I think this is the closest game on the schedule. Um, but, uh, I'm going to go, let's assume Adrian Martinez is healthy. I'm picking Kansas state moving into our, another sec game. Got quite a few of them this week. Uh, number 19, Kentucky heading into the death trap. That is Neyland stadium. 
Number three, Tennessee. Uh, not sure if the goalposts are back or not. I guess they just played a home game, so I guess they should be. Uh, Tennessee is a 12.5-point favorite against the top 20 Kentucky. Um, Matt, what do you think? Tennessee by at least 17. I don't think Kentucky even puts up much of a fight here. Uh, not because they are going to quit, but just because Tennessee's offense is a well-oiled machine. Kentucky is not going to be able to hang with them. They they just don't. They, they're no no chance. Uh, Tennessee by at least 17. Dad. Once again, I'm pretty much just chugging right along with Matt tonight. Uh, T- Kentucky doesn't have the offensive weapons to keep up. And, you know, regardless of what everybody has to say about Will Levis, I think he's a tool, and I don't think he's that good of a quarterback. Um, I mean, it's just they don't have the offensive weapons or the firepower to keep up with Tennessee. Tennessee's – but this game's in Neyland, too. I think Neyland's going to be rocking for this game. That fan base is wild right now. Uh, Tennessee by 24. I don't think it's going to be that close. Tennessee's going to run away with this thing. With I think this game comes around. Kentucky is slept on. Will Levis comes in firing. They're going to play aggressive. And uh, Kentucky is going to be winning at halftime in this game. And then Tennessee is going to win by 47. It, it, I see Tennessee's just – the offense is just too powerful. Kentucky's defense is solid. Um, they've played good against some good teams this year. Uh, I really like Will Levis. I know uh, a lot of people think he's a little overrated. Uh, I really just don't think their offense is a passing first offense. It's definitely a run first offense. Uh, but either way, Tennessee's defense is really bad. I mean, they're ranked 130th in the country in passing defense. And I could see Will Levis taking advantage of that. So I think they come out early. Um, I don't think they're ready for what Kentucky's going to throw at them early on. Um, I think they get smashed in the mouth a little bit. And then I think they're they're going to turn it around at halftime and be like, all right, we just beat Alabama two weeks ago. What the hell are we doing? And then turn around, throw six more touchdowns to Jalen Hyatt, and uh, win the football game. So I'm going to go Tennessee. Tennessee minus 12.5 for sure cover. Um, I'm going to say they win by probably at least 17 points. Let's let, let's leave it at that. Uh, and then our next game, we got another Big Ten game. Michigan State heading to Ann Arbor to take on probably what I would say is their biggest rival, number four, Michigan. Uh, Michigan is a 22-and-a-half-point favorite at home uh, against Mill Tucker and the Spartans. Matt, who you got? Michigan's a 22-and-a-half-point favorite. They're a better football team. But Michigan State is going to hang close in this game. For one reason and one reason only, I don't know what it is about Michigan State, but Jim Harbaugh absolutely struggles with Michigan State. I don't know what it is. Uh, this is one of those games that I feel like it, Michigan should absolutely blow the doors off of them. Uh, and if you took the name off of the jersey, off of the front of the jersey for Michigan State, uh, the, the line is completely, totally right. Absolutely, Michigan should beat them by at least 23. But I feel like Michigan State just is one of those teams that Jim Harbaugh struggles with. And I think giving him 23 points to cover against Michigan State is asking for a lot. Michigan State's not good this year at all. Uh, they're just—I don't know what even where to even begin with how bad that is. I think they're really questioning that Mel Tucker deal that they just gave him with all that money. Uh, I think Mel Tucker's still a good coach, but yikes, Michigan State. But I still think they keep this close. I think they win. I think Michigan ends up winning this game by like twenty, but it's close early, and they and Michigan State holds it. Uh, 
for a while. Holds them close for a while. Uh, Chad. I'm with you there. I think this game can go one of two ways. I, I think this game can go the way it should go, and Michigan State makes a trip down from East Lansing to Ann Arbor and comes back with blood all over their clothes and less players because they were murdered on the field, and Michigan wins by 400 points. Or it can go the direction that Matt just said, and Jim Harbaugh struggles against his in-state rival continue. Um, and I kind of leaning that way as well. Uh, Michigan State, man, crazy things have happened in this game. You go back to that block punt for a touchdown a few years ago to win the game. It's just it's wild how they hang around against Michigan, and Harbaugh struggles against Michigan State. I think Michigan State keeps it close, gives Michigan their first scare, but I'm going to go Michigan. They pull away late. They win by 10. Wit. So, since Harbaugh's been there, Michigan has only beaten Michigan State twice. Uh, pretty sure that started in 2016. So, that, that's a losing record. Michigan State has not been great in that span. Uh, last year, Michigan State was pretty solid. They ranked number eight when they played this game. Uh, Michigan outplayed them the entire game and still ended up losing, even after having a pretty solid lead. I believe it was like a 21 or 24-point lead. This is Michigan's first loss of the season. I think Michigan State 100% covers. Uh, I think they show a little black magic in Ann Arbor, and uh, I think Michigan's going to sleep on them thinking, we just won the Big Ten. We beat Ohio State last year. We're cruising along this year. We're ranked in the top four. Uh, all we're all we're doing is we're waiting on Ohio State to come around, and uh, and we'll, we'll see if we can beat them. If we can, we'll make it back into the playoff. I don't see Michigan and Ohio State being undefeated in that final game. I just don't see it. Um, I think both teams are too flawed. I know they're both rolling, but either way, like they they have to lose. At least one of them has to lose one game because uh, I don't I don't see them both making the playoff. So. I think this is Michigan's uh, one loss of the year before they go into that Ohio State game uh, on Thanksgiving weekend. And uh, I think Michigan State barely squeaks one out, and uh, Mel Tucker goes 2-0 against Jim Harbaugh. Boom. Upset. In our last game of the week, we got number 15, Ole Miss, coming off the loss to LSU at Texas A&M, who is – gasping for air at this point uh almost two and a half point favorite at kyle field texas a&m unranked uh after all that momentum they had coming into the season going being three and four right now just super upsetting for them matt what do you think i'm just gonna read this list off really quickly of starters uh who are injured we don't know the severity of the injury because Lane Kiffin is very like in-house, doesn't talk about injuries, doesn't confirm or deny how long people are out. I don't know why. He's just kind of weird about that. Uh, but running back Zach Evans is injured. Tight end Michael Trigg, he is done for the year, broken collarbone. Uh, Jackson Dart's favorite target, Malik, Malik Heath, out, uh, hurt. Uh, starting safety, Troy, uh, really linebacker, Troy Brown, Uh DB, A.J. Finley, defensive end, Cedric Johnson, starting left guard, Nick Broker, starting right tackle, Jeremy James. Uh, All injured right now. Ole Miss, for as good of a team as they are, uh, they don't have a lot of depth. That has been their biggest issue since Lane Kiffin came in and took over this program. That's something that he's tried to create with the transfer portal, uh, but he hasn't really been able to – 
hit the transfer portal and recruit really well to, to keep sustained success. If you look at Ole Miss's seven wins, their best win is probably Kentucky. Uh, but overall, the schedule really leaned that they should be 7-0 at that point, with the one question mark being Kentucky. Um, LSU, that game, I haven't got a chance to really go back and watch the second half, but it looked horrible. Uh, that was the first really hostile environment that Ole Miss has had to play in this year. I think that they're playing against a team that has their backs up against the wall in Texas A&M. They're going to Kyle Field, which is a cult in itself. And unfortunately, I'm going to pick the Texas A&M Aggies to pull the upset here and win against Ole Miss. I just feel like that there, there's too much talent on that Texas A&M team for them to not have some heart in this game. Uh, and Ole Miss's defense has shown some real issues, especially in stopping the run. Jaden Daniels ran for three touchdowns and 120 yards on top of throwing for another two touchdowns and 260. So I just don't know that Ole Miss's defense is healthy enough and deep enough to stop a really not good Texas A&M offense. So uh, I think Texas A&M wins this game in a, in a weird low-scoring affair, 24-20. to 20. I have to disagree with you for the first time tonight, Matt. Um, I know Ole Miss has her share of injuries. I know Ole Miss's defense is very suspect the last two weeks against Auburn and LSU. But what offense does Texas A&M have to offer that gives anyone any any reason to believe that this team can do anything right now? I just I I. The effort that they put out there against South Carolina and the way that they just aimlessly turned the ball over and were so affected by that environment. And I know they're at home this week, but Ole Miss is going to have a chip on their shoulder coming off of a tough loss. And I think Ole Miss is going to be pissed off. They're going to play pissed off. I know they're going to have some guys out, but I don't think the culture of A&M and the way that everything is going right now and all the noise surrounding that program is enough. I don't think they can block that noise out. I don't, excuse me, I don't think that noise can be blocked out. And I just see Ole Miss having the kind of offense that regardless of whether or not they have all their weapons, A&M can't keep up with Ole Miss if Ole Miss puts 20 on the board. Can't do it. Cannot do it. I don't think the environment at Kyle Field is going to be the same because I think people are starting to jump off of a sinking ship right now. And it's just A&M is a disaster. And I am I could be wrong, very well could be wrong, but I'm hard-pressed to find anything turning around at Texas A&M right now. I, I got the Rebels coming out pissed off. Ole Miss by 17. Wit. The only way I see Texas A&M winning this game this weekend is if they throw Connor Wegman in as the starter and he shows up and plays in a, a type of way that I don't see him playing this early on in his career. Um, and, and A&M is actually a pretty solid football team. Their defense is still good. Um, they have offensive weapons. It's really just been quarterback play. Uh, Max Johnson, I think he elevated their team just a little bit when he got the chance to play. Um, but since he's gone out, I mean, Haynes King is just awful. Uh, he played well in that Bama game. Didn't play great, played well. 
um, earlier on this year. But that's really the only time I've seen him in the two years he's gotten a chance to play where I've thought, hey, this guy, this guy's not terrible. But he is. He's awful. He's completely terrible. I hate to just rag on a guy, but I I would not like to see him play football ever again. Um, hope he stays healthy, but get get that guy out of here. Uh, Connor Wegman, if he comes in, he's you know former five star. They got studs all over the field. If they get those freshmen in, and maybe they finally start to make an impact, may I mean this could be a And M, but I don't see Ole Miss losing another game this season against a team that's not Alabama or maybe a Georgia or Tennessee in the SEC championship after after what happened at LSU. I know they have the injuries, but this is still a really solid football team, and they've gotten through most of the tougher games on their schedule already. So, go on Ole Miss. I think Ole Miss wins by at least two touchdowns at this point right now. Um, A&M, like I said, if it's it's going to be something magical that's going to happen for them to win. So. How's your uh, how's your bet going with Lando? Over done done. Bet, yeah. Oh yeah. By the way, A&M is now my least favorite football team in college football. Because they cost me ten dollars. A and M and second half Alabama are my least favorite teams in college football. What was it? Besides was Florida. it six games? It was no, it was nine and three. They had to win nine games and they've lost four games now. So that's not it was well, they had to go nine and three in the regular season. Nice. So they can't win nine games anymore. Uh they're three and four. Absolutely atrocious. Uh came as a preseason number six team in the country. Um, they are just nope. abysmal. Get, the, the momentum. You're going to get my money though. I'm going to get Chad's money for Florida more than likely. What was that bet? Uh, well, it was seven and five. I said seven and five. I think they had to be eight and four for Chad to win money. And they still, they still have a chance. They're four and three with Georgia this weekend. So it's. I, I'll say this, not to start a whole other conversation, but after we lose this weekend with the rest of our schedule, I can see us winning four straight. Could. I could see Florida State. I could see South Carolina. Um, A and M. Yeah, the way they're playing right now, I could see A and M. Um, also, Matt, live reaction. Uh, Mac Jones gets benched for Bailey Zap today. I will always stand, my humble king, Mac Jones. Fat, fat Mac Jones is back. We need Chunky Mac. He got in shape, <laughs> and then he started throwing picks. Go get Chunky again, my humble king. Damn, son. Come on, man. You can't, you can't run anybody over the one-yard line anymore. So I did see done. him. He, he, he had more he had more rushing yards than passing yards And but when he got benched. He ran, he ran for 24 yards and was 3 of 6 for 13 yards. Uh, I, I just uh, – I, I, you hate to see it. But uh, my humble king has been benched, and uh, Jacoby Myers made a heck of a catch when he was wide open for ba- Bailey Zappi. I will say that. <laughs> I, haven't Zappi, seen, I haven't seen a second of that game, so I have no, I have no comment. Got it on. I got. I had I'm a text watching. that said, "Make sure you mention to Matt that Mac Jones got benched in the Thursday night game against the Bears." First of all, it's a Monday night game. Monday so, night game. <laughs> even even text, worse, not even on Amazon Prime. No free shoutouts. Well, that's our show. Thank you guys for listening. As always, we appreciate it. Before you guys log off today, please don't forget to drop us a five-star review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Give us a follow on our Instagram and TikTok at Around the Keg and on Twitter at Around the Keg Pod. If you'd like to help support future episodes, please click the support link in the description of today's episode or check out our merch at AroundTheKeg.com. Send us any questions or topics you want us to discuss on the show, and we'll be happy to include as much as we can. Have a great week. See y'all.